Manchester United came back to knock Barcelona out of the UEFA Europa League in the two-leg competitions between the two traditional powerhouses that have been struggling in recent years, Man United's manager Eric Ten Hag and his players outperformed their Barca counterparts and thus are making better and faster progress in going back to prime. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so this was, if say, five years ago. This yeah. was supposed to be a top, maybe a final in the Champions yeah, League and right. it didn't. Yeah, Just, that, yeah, that's it. It's crazy to see these kinds of games in the Champions League, especially when, I mean, in the Europa League, because mm-hmm. that's it. It's so long in the Champions League. Yeah. And then you see the kind of quality who are uh, alongside them and at the same time, Union Berlin, Roma. Mm-hmm. It's teams not of the same caliber. And yet, based on how they were playing, to be honest... Barcelona looked like a Europa League side and I really worry not worry but I wonder what their future will bring because you know what was it Jao Laporte said about the the levers the financial mm-hmm. levers they've triggered a lot of their income is based on playing in Europe yeah and by that I mean Champions League Europa League was already a stretch last year they reached the final and lost when they were expected to basically walk it this year they drew United which United have been struggling as well mm-hmm but since they got rid of Ronaldo, Ten Hag has basically re- rejuvenated that team. Yeah. And it really did look like a Champions League side versus a Europa League side. However, if I were to say that and you didn't know what I meant, you never would have guessed that meant Manchester United as Champions League level and Barcelona as Europa League. That's true. So in this morning's game, I think before, say, Barcelona scored their goal, Man mm-hmm. United were actually in better advantage yeah. because they made certain changes to their squad based on what happened in the last game. Mm-hmm. So was that goal, the first goal, was kind of accidental? I, I guess so, because that's that's the thing. When I was watching this game, it really felt to me like a recurring theme that we've discussed is this era of managers who've come through who were superstar players who become managers very quickly, and they all seem to be midfielders. Xavi at Barcelona, Frank Lampard at Chelsea, then Everton, uh, Andrea Pirlo at Juventus. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those teams has struggled because it almost comes across as that player is treating the players on the pitch as if it was still them, as if it's still Xavi and Busquets and Messi and everyone could do the same thing. And then when they hit the brick wall where that is not the reality... They don't have a second gear, a plan B, to so, so to speak. Whereas with Ten Hag, I feel like he is constantly upgrading that team mm-hmm. in ways that, I mean, even not in a tactical sense, they play with a level of discipline that was simply not there under Oli. They play with a sense of confidence that wasn't there with Ralph Rannick either. It's basically the same, with the exception of, say, Casemiro and Anthony, it's basically the same squad. Val Veghorst came in late as a replacement for Ronaldo. He was only there for the first half. Yeah. He got subbed out, I think, for Anthony. Mm-hmm. Besides besides for that, it's the same team that was there last time. Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof, uh, of course, most notably uh, Marcus Rashford, Fred. So you've got these players who have been at this squad for quite a while, were considered write-offs, mm-hmm. and suddenly they're playing at a massive level. Whereas on the other side of things, you have... Um, Frank Kessier and Luke de Jong playing in that central position almost as if they were Xavi, which they aren't. Mm-hmm. And of course, Busquets is still there. Yeah. And anytime they were threatening, it was when it felt like they, they broke away from the mold. Kessier, 
had a great chance early on. And um, Rafinha had one later on as well, I believe, based entirely on breaking through using their pace. The total opposite of what Xavi wants. Whereas with United, what was clear is from last time around, they knew Rashford is in his pomp. He's really unplayable. Mm-hmm. So they completely man-marked him. And that just let the other, the rest of the players run wild. And it was as if Ten Hag knew this. And rather than thinking, okay, we've lost our main weapon, it's now we can use a variety of others. And that simple fact alone is what got them through this tie. Yeah, I remember uh, Bruno Fernandes, actually, it was an interview with BT Sports. Mm-hmm. He said when Ten Hag came, he asked everyone to follow his orders. If you yeah. don't, you have two options. You don't play at all mm-hmm. or you change your attitude. I yeah. think that's what happened because Rashford... I couldn't imagine, say, a year ago that Rashford went out to yeah. defend, to guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, him and Cassie, they were why Busquets was kind of frozen during yeah. most of the time. And he, every if when every player, say, veteran or not, mm-hmm. like Casemiro and Anthony, they all do what he says. And that changed the game. When Casemiro came, he is, I think, one of the biggest game changers in yeah. the second half. That's not a case in Barcelona. No. I'm not saying that Xavi doesn't have the authority. I mean, he was a legend there. Yeah. But he doesn't seem so experienced in doing what he does. Say, in... I know the... So, first, how much do you think the absences of Padre and Gavi actually held Barcelona back or not? Yeah, I, I think those two are definitely missing because when I was saying that Xavi sets his team up as if he's still playing of mm-hmm. that generation... Those two, to me, are the next generation of that style of Barcelona. Because I think that's really clear, is you remember that style, obviously the tiki-taka yeah. style, but it's based on, basically you get three or four players very close together and you just pass, pass, pass very quick, one, two, three. When that works at its best, you're gaining yards on players without having to fatigue mm-hmm. fatigue yourself. You limit their movement and it basically traps them as the ball flows the what I was seeing yesterday is you ended up with situations like I was saying with Rashford, where he's just got like three or four players standing around him mm-hmm. who are just then absent from the rest of the play. And the way that the goals, particularly the second one, was scored is quite simply this they're so static, expecting to pass the ball quickly. And then when they don't have the ball, they're out of options. And then uh, I believe the first chance under both chances, I believe, of Marcus Rashford were very, very close, but they came from having um, players like Casemiro, players like Jadon Sancho, drag the Barcelona players out of position because they'll run across, then be static as they expect to pass the ball. And then while everyone is over to the left side, Rashford has acres of space space to play in. And even when it's not him, maybe that's Veghorst, maybe that's Anthony, maybe it's someone else. So yeah, it, it really is a case of without the players to play the exact way Xavi wants, mm-hmm. it just felt like there was just no engine room to the team. True. Is he, like, not talented enough as a manager, like the ones you mentioned, mm-hmm. Frank Lampard or Perlo, or he's just lacked experience? Because yeah. judging by the way he says his format, he always wants someone to play like Alves, wants mm-hmm. someone to play like himself in the yeah. midfield. But when those don't work, when mm-hmm. they have counter moves that didn't work and he has no option. Yeah. Also, when we say Barcelona, a strong team, won so many titles, but they were always over-relying on Lionel Messi yeah. after Lionel Messi left. Mm-hmm. Last season was a disappointment. Now they have Lewandowski. They're now over-relying on Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. And they can't solve that problem. Exactly. It's as if they... 
they have obviously the Barcelona style of play, but it's so rooted in the players rather than the philosophy that now mm. the generations have moved on. Not even the game, just the players of age. Yeah. Some have left, like I say, with Messi. Others are like Busquets are now late 20s, early 30s, if mm. that. I, I forget with him. He feels like he's been there forever. Mm. But I feel like a lot of these managers, be it Xavi, be it Pilo, whoever, they come across when they play and even on the sideline, very smart. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I'm willing to say Xavi can grow. But, you know, as a, as a counterpoint, you look at the top managers, be it Ten Hag, be it Pep Guardiola, they never really had distinguished playing careers. True. Which means that they don't have this defining style that's so attached to them, which I think allows them to be more flexible. Whereas with someone like Xavi... There's the rigidity of when I was here, when I was playing, it was successful. We're applying that blueprint again. And quite simply, it's not working out. And like I say, give him another season or so. There's mm-hmm. still plenty of time. They're still the top of the uh, La Liga. But at the same time, you know, the, the depth, the debts that had to get rid of Messi, that's piling up. The levers obviously haven't paid off. Now they're out of Europe for a second season yeah. in a row. I don't know if he'll have the time to grow, but I hope, based on what I know of him as a player, person, and manager, I could see him getting there. It'll just take time. True, but I think the difference, there's a big difference between United and Barcelona is that United now, now they have several bidders. Mm -hmm. They definitely have the financial assets they need to keep buying players. I mean, 70 million Mm -hmm. for for one player and 70 million for another. Barcelona don't have that. They have too many levers, and Laporta kept saying that we want Messi to come back Mm -hmm. for free. That sends a signal that we're out of money. We can't get what you want. Although their players are uh, actually kind of expensive when Mm -hmm. they bought them. If Xavi cannot do that, can they really count their use, like let's say, former prime youth mm-hmm. development school in Europe to generate more talents? Or? Well, I mean, they should be able to because, you know, like I was saying with Ten Hag, he's playing with someone else's squad and he's mm-hmm. getting talent out of them, which means that a good manager should be able to do that. You look at all the best managers in the world, they take players and improve them. Like, um, you know, you, you think about what Pep Guardiola has done for a lot of that for a lot of that Manchester City team when the, when the players arrived. So you should be able to do that if you are in the position of Xavi, especially with that talent coming yeah. through from the academy. But I feel like, you know, when we talk about football finances, you always hear about debts and mm. how big things have ballooned, but you're also used to there being no real consequences. True. With Barcelona, I feel like we're seeing that now because there was the statement over, I think it was this weekend or last weekend, but either way, about them talking about getting back towards the, doing the Super League. Oh, yeah. And the thing which they said is there's the buyers are going to United, they are going to other places, no one is investing in them anymore. Mm-hmm. And you hear that team say that, and you realise it's, it's your own fault. You've monopolised La Liga for so long. True. You've been this financial heavyweight for so long. Now that you're calling for this, like you say, Messi on a free, Mm. restart the Super League. To me, what that says is this is probably the first time we are going to see major consequences. And not even a case of like, oh, Juventus get knocked down to Serie B because you know they're just going to come back. Mm -hmm. This is the first time where it looks like, well, they aren't going to be able to afford players, can't get new players in. If they start to struggle, La Liga doesn't have the investment. I feel like... There's, like when I say consequences, I feel like they are starting to hit behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And if we end up with another trophyless season, another season without Champions League football, anything like that, 
I feel like it's going to start hitting hard. That's true. It's kind of interesting because Real had won so many UEFA Champions League titles, but before that, uh, in China, we, we called them the uh, UEFA Champions League round of 16 brother because mm-hmm. they were always out from that stage. And you look at Barcelona now, yeah. their glorious times were definitely over and they kept being knocked out like mm-hmm. this. Maybe they're on a similar path to that Real, but Real always has the way to found themselves. It's maybe weird to judge a team that is still top of their league to say yeah. they're rebuilding. I'm just going to say Barcelona are rebuilding and they're not in, on the correct path. But, but as well as that, like I was saying, with the way La Liga is set up, it doesn't have the same prestige as a lot of the others because it is basically a two-horse race. True. It's Barcelona, Real, then a far distance, Atletico, Valencia, Sevilla, and then everybody else. And I also get the feeling that they are the top of La Liga because Real have major European commitments, which yeah. is obviously their focus. Barcelona don't. They need this win. And just to go back to what I was saying just then, I said about next season, if they don't get Champions League football, by winning La Liga, it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is by getting to the knockouts quite far into them because this is the first time they've been eliminated before a round of 16 stage. But based on how they were playing... And I compare that to the teams that are in the Champions League. I'm looking at teams like, you know, Benfica, Porto, not even the top, top teams. And thinking with them, I see a discipline, a will to win, a hunger, a style of football that works with the players. And that's so far missing from all aspects of Barcelona mm-hmm. that I would not be shocked if we start seeing them losing the group stage, second yeah. in the group stage, like that as well. So. Yeah, I think the future's dark for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you just reminded me when Lewandowski said, oh, it should be easier for me to win the uh, Golden Ball in mm-hmm. Barcelona. I think someone in the future may say, yeah, uh, I don't want to join Barcelona because it will be easier for me to go further in the yeah. Champions League. You know, you've been knocked out. And Real made European commitments. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day when the two fans, I know they hate each other, yeah. when they say, oh, yeah, we won the La Liga. Yeah, we can do that if we want. And yeah. if they do... That will really hurt the image of Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the thing which has basically come out with a lot of these um, European leagues now. With the Premier League, because of how stacked it is at the top end, there's still something to it. But you do look at these certain leagues and you think to yourself, okay, it's Bayern Munich and everyone else. Mm. It's Juventus and everyone else. Now it's currently the Milan sides and everyone else. But either way, it's the Giants and everyone else. But if you're a giant and the giant trophy so to speak the Mm -hmm. european ones the copa del rey's things like that are out of your grasp suddenly it goes from being okay we win this so we can qualify for the next stage to we win la liga because it's all we can do because it's a biased competition and that's all we can do that's true um after this victory do you think united are already on the fastest track to the europa champions league i'm sorry the europa league title because it's not as big as the Champions League, but mm. it's something, especially for United, which yeah. haven't won anything for a long time. Yeah, that's based on their performance, even though, I, like I was saying, I do think overall across the two legs, Barcelona have been mediocre. Based on the changes across both legs, even a half time in both games, based on the performance, the win, just the newfound hunger that's in that side, mm-hmm. I can see them going quite far. The thing is, is that for a very long time, the Europa League was very much a secondary trophy. Now it's still a secondary trophy, but you have, like I say, teams like Union Berlin, Ajax, the teams that are no longer the financial giants, so they treat this like their Champions League, and 
if you would have said this United squad three, five, ten years ago in the Europa League, walk in, no question. This time around, when they've got these hungry teams from the smaller leagues in there, I still think they are the favourites, but it's going to be tough, a lot tougher than this. That's true, because even now they've got a lot of better. They just said how bad they have become, mm-hmm. and they now have teams who have been good all the time to yep. compete with. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I was mentioning earlier that Barcelona are over the line on Lewandowski, which means Lewandowski is their leader. May not used to have that problem. Yeah. It's called Ronaldo. So he's gone, and I don't really see a very clear leader on the field. Maybe there's someone in the locker room, but mm-hmm. on the field, they don't really have someone who is much better than the rest of the team. Is that really necessary to have someone to lead it or a team like United now or Arsenal? Yeah. Like we, everyone is working toward one goal. Is that Which is better, do you think? I mean, in this particular case, I feel like it's definitely an improvement because Ronaldo... As good as he is, he's very limited. You know exactly what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. So I think a case of having so many options up front, so many options within the midfield, no clear on-pitch leader, I think is working incredibly well. Because I almost want to say that even though he was a leader, he wasn't a very positive force. No. So now you almost get this feeling, and I say this based entirely on body language, which doesn't always mean anything, but you look at how confident Marcus Rashford is. You look how free Bruno Fernandes is. I feel like without having this focal point, everyone is suddenly free to expand. And I get the feeling that, let's say by the end of the season, maybe in a year's time, we'll be able to pinpoint who is the leader, but it'll be an organic change of this guy. You know, in the, let's say, Casemiro, in his time in the locker room, he's come out as the leader, or mm-hmm. Rashford in what he's been doing, he's he's become the leader. But it'll be a natural thing. Whereas with Ronaldo, it just felt like, well, I'm the biggest player, I'm the star, I am the leader. And after a while, that stopped working. He couldn't be a leader. Yeah. So I think with that being gone, what we have now is a team that's much more positive, even if there's no focal point. True. After Alex Ferguson's departure, the the United were looking for the next Sir Alex. Mm -hmm. They tried so many people. It didn't work. They tried Ole. And right after they hired Ten Hag, they they never said that. They were just Mm -hmm. like, this is a solid manager. We need that. Does that mean they actually moved out of that kind of obsession with... He has to has a saying. We have to find his successor. Mm. They're now maybe being more realistic. Is I, that yeah? I think so. I think the last stand of that was Ollie, because like you said, like we were yeah. saying previously, he's got the club's DNA. Mm. He was there for iconic moments. Surely, if there's going to be a lineage, he is going to be almost, let's say, a son to the father figure of Alex Ferguson. And then once you tried so many different managers with different styles, be it Van Hal, be it Mourinho, be it David Moyes, at some point it just has to be. We've ran out of these particular options. Mm-hmm. We have to look at what is a modern team, what a modern club is doing. And when they got Ten Hag, I would have said, of all the managers who were not currently occupied by like a Champions League winning caliber team, mm-hmm. he was the best manager out there. So they definitely made the right choice. What has come to the fore since is it feels like they've made the right choice for the man. Now they're just letting him be Ten Hag yeah. rather than trying to force him to be whatever the next Ferguson will be. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.